Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. What's up? This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, sometimes computer game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, we're taking a look at one of the most iconic platforms when it comes to video game music. Legendary. The Commodore 64. Absolutely. This is a topic that quite a few of our listeners have suggested, but one listener more than any other has been clamoring for and suggesting for years uh, and so more than anything else this episode goes out to our long uh, supportive listener Phil Phil B so thanks Phil for your patience and actually Phil was very helpful to assist us in the playlist today right uh, he definitely knows a lot more about the C64 than either of us do and so a good chunk of uh, the track list today uh, was suggested by Phil so thanks for your help uh, there's a couple things that he said about the Commodore 64 that I might actually read a little bit later in the episode uh we've we've dabbled in a fair amount of commodore 64 music on the podcast one thing that is cool about our show is that we're not afraid to play uh computer music because that is kind of a separate thing in a way like there are other podcasts that are more dedicated to just console stuff um and and so yeah we've definitely played a fair amount of computer we did have a computer music episode uh we've heavily featured systems like the pc88 98 um but yeah the commodore 64 has a really unmistakable and iconic sound definitely it's considered chiptune music and it has kind of a different attitude and character than something like the nes and compositionally what these composers got out of the c64 many times it was a very different vibe yeah absolutely it's kind of to me it's a very quirky sound and uh, the, just the timbres of the C64 are so specific, and they give me like a, a real sense memory experience whenever I hear them. They're very uh, bright but, and brash and kind of in your face. Right. Well, and I think I almost always associate them with, uh, I guess, more of a decidedly Western style of chip music composition, mm-hmm. uh, frequent use of arpeggiation, and really flashy, show-offy use of the technology. Because you know, so much Commodore music that's really popular comes from the demo scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is the idea is something a tradition that still goes on to this day of basically creating these really impressive technical demos of audio and sound on this old hard. It's something that back in the day was used to sell these at one time contemporary machines, but it still goes on to kind of see how far these composers, artists, and engineers can kind of push the the technology. And so I think that part of the tradition of making these primitive synthesizers sound as impressive and off the wall as they can is something I associate more with the Commodore 64 than like the NES or the Master System more with Western composers, and that's because every single piece of music you're going to hear in this playlist was by a Western composer, yeah. either either like someone from Europe or North America. Um, and that makes sense because Commodore was, I believe it was an American company. They might have been founded in Canada. Um, uh, but yeah, so what you're going to hear compositionally on this system is only Western composers, and so their approach and their style is, is very different. And technology and pushing the boundaries of technology was a huge theme for the whole experience on the Commodore 64, the games, the demos, the music everything so what did we hear playing in with that was a really nostalgic piece of music that 
is a perfect setup. That was the high score theme from a game called Commando by Rob Hubbard. Now, Rob Hubbard is one of the all-stars, one of the most famous, beloved C64 composers. And so what's interesting, if you're looking on our playlist today, there's actually a small number of composers that we're featuring. And in many times, we're playing multiple tracks from some of these people. These are kind of the greatest hits of Commodore music today, I would say. Yeah. And one thing that's cool about, you know, we were just talking about the difference between kind of Eastern and Western chip music composers and it's just so funny right away this commando track it sounds like something you'd hear at the end of an 80s movie like it sounds Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the type of song that should be in a john hughes film it's really good that kind of slow nostalgic ballad sentimental it's it's just perfect yeah and i love the idea of that being for a high score theme it's like it's fun i don't know it's a different take on that to me whenever i think of a high score theme i think of like the yoshi's island you know that's almost maybe like more of the japanese approach uh but i really love (laughs) this piece for sure yeah it's very different i'm excited to move on we're going to move on to a game called golden axe and this is the title theme Uh, you'll you're going to see that a lot today most of the music we're playing is the title theme or the main theme from these games many times they don't have a lot of music in these games they might only have a few tracks this is a title theme it's composed by one of my favorite c64 composers who unfortunately I, i never know how to pronounce his first name it's either Jerontel or Jerontel. How would you pronounce that first name, Will? I would just say Jerone. Jerone. Jerontel. Uh, definitely considered to be one of the best C64 composers, but if I had to pick, he might be my second, first or second favorite. He's so, so good. Let's take a listen to the title theme from Golden Axe. listening to the title theme from Golden Axe for the Commodore 64, of course. And this is composed by Jaron Tell, who is a Dutch composer. And like I said earlier, every single track you're going to hear today uh, was composed by what we're calling Western composers. So whether it is someone like Jaron who's Dutch or maybe someone who's German or British or even American, that's the talent that the system was able to see music from. What you guys are listening to now is one of the few pieces from this game. It might be one other track, but it's really common for the title theme to to really be able to stretch out and 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 be its own piece of music and a lot of times it's very long form and might not loop for a long time 
uh, sometimes that's the only piece of music in the game. Uh, you know, there might be other themes like a loader theme or a menu theme or maybe a couple others, but you're not going to find long soundtracks on the Commodore. I love the drum sound here and the mixture it's of very that. very beefy, yeah. Yeah, that really kind of distorted sounding almost uh, arpeggiation, uh, which gives you all this rich chord information. And then mm -hmm. that plucky, you know, duty changed instrument on uh, on the melody is just, it's a really cool sound. I mean, this is very quintessential Commodore music right here. It kind of has uh, most of the elements that I really associate with this console. I mean, both musically, like there's sort of a, a quirk to the progression that feels distinctly 80s in that kind of like minor, a little bit melancholy way, but still in kind of a rock tradition. And then yeah. all the sort of technical wizardry in the presentation not that it's like flashy or showing off but it's just it, it's such a decidedly different approach than what i think a japanese composer would do and when you look at japanese computer music of this time it's just it's so different you know absolutely the name of the sound chip that the commodore 64 uses it's very famous it's called the sid the sid which stands for sound interactive device um, and it's it's a chip that we've used a lot in our original video game music. Most yeah. of the times we kind of just have it as a little texture. It might be some sort of arpeggiated line or a bass or even a lead. It, it's it's a absolutely classic sound when it comes to chip music. Well, let's move on. We're going to move on to another all-star when it comes to Commodore 64. Um, and again, this, this is a person that was on Phil's list as well. This is Martin Galway. And we're going to move on to Whizball, the title music. Let's check it out. You guys listening to the title music to Whizball? <laughs> it really could be from anything. That's such a funny thing. I know Tim alluded to this in our in our fairly recent interview, Tim Fallon, uh, where it kind of didn't matter what the game was. They were kind of just doing making the music they wanted to hear yeah. on the system. That's what you're hearing here. This is composed by a legendary C64 composer Martin Galway, who I believe is originally from Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. 
Western composer for sure. And uh, this is really cool. I, the, the number one thing I will say about C64 music and the prerogative, like the focus of all this music, and it is something Tim mentioned too, is vibe. It's atmosphere. It's setting up something so and impressive. exploring and, and trying to take something, uh, take the listener through a journey, and which is very different than something like NES or Game Boy music. Well, and it's so impressive uh, considering that it's such basic synthesizers that you're working with. It's crazy. Uh, but the ability to change timbre and kind of have those phasing synthesizers mm-hmm. almost in the way that... Uh, you know, the modulation wheel on a synthesizer might change the timbre or change kind of the EQ. Uh, th- yeah. That's amazing that the Commodore is able to do that because that's something that a lot of console systems, um, 8-bit ones especially, were not able to do as swiftly. Yeah, you know? the Commodore 64 and especially that SID chip had almost an infinite possibility of different sounds that you could get out of it. Um, and these composers were so creative and, and the advantage of the C64 scene as far as most of these composers is I get the sense they were all kind of programmers. They were people that were really good at computers For and sure. took a lot of pride at trying to to fight with these limitations. And so technically that's why this music is so creative. I think it's just lucky that uh, a lot of the music also turned out to be interesting compositionally, you know, from a musical perspective. Right. And there is plenty of C64 music that, in my opinion, isn't. Some people really rave about certain tracks that, for me, as a piece of music, it, it's kind of boring um, once you take away the technical element. And and so that's definitely part of, of the system for me. I, I don't think I have the same fondness for it that someone maybe that grew up playing these games would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely appreciate and respect everything that that it took to make it and and there's just some amazing music for sure well i mean i do think there's yeah it's similar to how i feel like about a lot of modern chip tunes oh yeah where it it seems to be more about the implementation than the actual composition you know the the idea is less important than the execution and that's definitely true for the commodore 64 i don't think anyone would argue that but, you know, it's like those arguments, you know, style versus substance. I don't think they have to be one or the other because when you can have both, when you can have an idea that's really beautiful and interesting and it's executed, I mean, then you get to the level of, you know, a, a Tim Fallen. And uh, well, that can be some of the most transcendent music of all time. Speaking of Mr. Fallen, let's move on to a Fallen track. We got plenty of these today. This is from Ghouls and Ghosts for the Commodore 64. Let's take a listen to a very catchy, very progressive, very confident Stage 3 by Tim Fallen. <laughs> Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Stage 3 from Ghouls and Ghosts. Kind of reminds me of 70s prog rock, <laughs> not surprisingly. <laughs> this is composed by Tim Fallon for the Commodore 64. And once again, at least so far in today's episode, sounding unlike any other composer on the system, really uh, paving his own way and exploring the kinds of sounds that he wants to hear and that he probably enjoys listening to at this time when he was, what, 18 years old? I don't even know how young he was uh, when he worked on this. He was very young. This is awesome. God, I would have loved to ask Tim about this when we had our interview because this is such a different sound than I think we associate yep. with uh, you know, that fallen sound, which has to do, I think, more with rock and the driving energy. And again, the the showcasing of uh, the the technical capabilities of whatever platform he's on. What's great mm-hmm. about this is it sounds great, but it sounds like a piece of video game music. Yeah. The music is definitely supporting the atmosphere, which I think I think about a lot of Fallen tracks as almost just being so badass and cool, almost despite the fact that it's a video game. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the music is so much more important to me than the game, and whether right. it supports the tone of the game is almost irrelevant. But something like this is really interesting because he's very carefully going for a style and very clearly trying to support a really different emotional tone than some of his other music. I think this is a great piece to celebrate his diversity as a composer. Yeah, one thing I might want to preface is uh, the original Ghouls and Ghosts was composed by Tamayo Kawamoto. And it's possible that some of that music was featured in this Commodore version. This, to me, I'm pretty sure this is a fallen composition don't quote me on that any experts on c64 um i know that he definitely did compose original music for this game and i'm pretty sure this is one of those definitely so let's let's move on to kind of an all-star track this is central park from the last ninja 2 and this was one of the pieces that was featured on that computer music episode we did a long time ago it was like season two or something it was ages ago this is composed by matt gray let's check it out
You guys are listening to Central Park from The Last Ninja 2 for the C64, composed by Matt Gray. Matt Gray is definitely a legend of the C64. Didn't seem like he did as much. He wasn't as prolific, maybe, as some of the other composers. At least what I found, there wasn't as many people talking about him. But the stuff he did do, especially The Last Ninja 2, is kind of considered a masterpiece. This is such a great example of the difference between Western video game composers and (laughs) Eastern video game composers. This is just a rock, like an alternative rock piece of music that happened to be implemented on the C64. But if it wasn't, he would have done it with a rock band, and it would have been just as good. This progression... uh, is so reminiscent to me uh, of a lot of 90s music. Um, it's the same progression to that song Gone Away by Offspring. Will, did you notice that? Dude, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I love that song. And that has a similar progression as that song. Uh, yeah, Mad World. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah, so, you know, and this is probably 80s music, technically speaking, so that makes sense, too. Uh, yeah, it's just it feels very authentic to rock and pop. Yeah, and it's Heck just yeah. it's just good background music. That's a great point, Carl. Uh, one of the most unique elements about this track is that kind of droning pitch. That's actually it's using right. the arpeggiator, but just on an octave, and it's going so fast that it it just sounds like one note with this kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know, digital delay or like chirpy alarm kind of sound. That it's bring, a cool bring, effect. Bring, bring. Yeah, it's a great sound and it's it's very charming and it, it, it sounds like video game music. Because yeah, one of the one of the most common things you hear in Commodore 64 music, and you guys will notice it a lot today, is there's a lot of, I don't know if I would call it sound effects or musical effects. It, they, they cross a line between sound effects and musical effects mixed in with the composition. Right. That's a huge part of this music. And anyone who, who wants to have a lot of cred making Commodore 64 music, that's like something that you need. It's the thing that people always gush over is these really cool sweeps and, uh, you know, phasing in and out and this kind of crazy effects. That seems to be maybe the heart of what this music's all about. Right. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me is that the Commodore 64 and that um, SID chip mm-hmm. is so capable of doing all of these expressive things in terms of timbre, in terms of color. Very the diverse. actual sounds that you're left with sound really distorted and compressed. Um, as opposed to like when you listen to an NES or a Game Boy or a Master System, it's a relatively clean sound. Even if they don't have the same technical capabilities, uh, there's like, you know what I'm talking about? There's that kind of buzzy, distorted sound, which is actually one of the charms of the Commodore. It sounds like it's coming out of a distortion pedal, you know? And so it really adds to that grittiness, which I think, you know, a lot of these Western composers are kind of playing up that earthy sound. You know? Absolutely. That's part of the music. And I think a big part of it also has to do with, uh, I mean, when you think of NES music using a triangle bass, which is this pure, almost sine wave-like uh, synthesis that is so pure. Hmm. And then you compare that to these really snarly square waves and sawtooth waves yeah. that are phasing in and out when that's the lowest voice, all of the overtones of that, I think probably help to contribute to that a bit more of a muddled sound, which is what I think a lot of people love about the Commodore. But to me, I just don't have the same warm feeling that I do um, with other chip well, music consoles. Well, and that makes sense. You know, first of all, you didn't grow up with it. 
And second of all, it, it definitely doesn't have quite the cultural cachet that the, the NES does. And so it's more niche for sure, um, but it's a cool sound. I mean, to me, if I had to describe it, the Commodore 64 just sounds like a buzzsaw to your eardrums. <laughs> you know, and that makes sense. You know, the saw the sawtooth is, is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when these composers are at their best, it really feels confident, like it's an actual specific choice and not just trying to get over a limitation, uh, which is awesome. So, so far we haven't co- repeated any composers, but we're about to, and we're going to do more of that today. We're going to go back to Jaron Tell to a game called Stormlord. Let's take a listen to his title for this game. Here we go. <laughs> listen to the title from Stormlord. This is once again by Jerome Tell. Another great example of what C64 music is all about. Really vibey and atmospheric with these long, low droning bass notes that have some cool effects to them. Kind of this phasing effect. Um, and it makes it a lot more interesting. I will say this exact piece of music on the NES would really fall flat. Yeah. Um, the kind of weird technical wizardry that you're able to get out of the C64 is really shining here. And the composition is good too. The reason why I love Jaron Tell so much is it seems to me like he's a 50-50 split of being a good composer and wanting really you know interesting musical lines and melodies, but also really being good at pushing the C64 in interesting ways. So to me, he seems like perfectly right down the center. Yeah, totally. Gosh, what a quirky sound. I love when the drums come in, because it's my one feeling about the track where it's like, everything that's going on is interesting, but uh, gosh, I wish there was more of like a rhythmic drum <laughs> groove. But then right. when it comes in, it's like, wow, that's so cool. Because again, we keep comparing it to the NES because I think the 8-bit sounds, it, it's hard not to in a, in a sense. Uh, but yet having this music that's such a long loop and, and so different in its compositional approach. It's not about having the catchiest, snappiest tunes. You know, it's more about uh, the vibe and the atmosphere and the layers of tracks and everything. Absolutely. Shall we move on to the next piece of music, Will? 
Let's do it. Next piece of music is from um, one of the underdogs on today's playlist. Uh, definitely C64 fans will know of this composer, but it seems to me, compared to some of the other uh, legends, uh, not quite as much of a household name. This is Jonathan Dunn, and I've been familiar with his music for a while. I think he's really great. Very vibey atmospheric composer. Let's take a listen to something that is very inappropriate for the game. This is common for the Commodore 64. This has nothing to do with the character or the theme of what this game should be, but it's a cool piece of music. (laughs) It's much too sensitive. This is a title theme to RoboCop. Here we go. So that's very sweet. You guys are listening to the title theme from RoboCop, composed by very talented Jonathan Dunn. This could be for anything. I mean, it has nothing to do with RoboCop. Well, it this sounds seems... like RoboCop is in love. It's, it, <laughs> Maybe this track is. should be called RoboLove. You know, it has that like sweet, RoboLove. slightly romantic, sensitive thing and to it. And very nostalgic. A lot of this Commodore 64 music is very nostalgic, not just because these people are nostalgic for the system they grew up playing. Musically, it evokes the emotion of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting thing. I mean, we did that whole episode on nostalgia, and I, I want to do more talking about that because I think yeah. it's really fascinating, but out of any concept or any emotion, nostalgia is the one that I feel like is most associated with music specifically. Yeah. You know, I mean, music evokes happiness, sadness, playfulness, coyness, you know, every emotion. <laughs> but when you think Definitely of coyness. the emotion of nostalgia, it's almost always associated with music and some level. And I think music yeah. is very potent at, at capturing that emotion in particular, the mixture oh, yeah. of kind of melancholy, happiness and sadness and that longing for something, something um, in the past maybe. And I think especially when we listen to music that's kind of melancholy from the past, from an older era, it's immediately and intrinsically nostalgic to us. What's interesting about this is you sort of said that this wasn't maybe the right fit for RoboCop, but it definitely is the right fit for Robo something. You know, <laughs> I mean, the use of that arpeggiator and the sound 
sound of the Commodore. It almost sounds like the kind of music that RoboCop would have been listening to, 80s digital synth music. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of perfect when you think about it that way. Well, in this point in the play, this is a little bit of a bittersweet moment. We're going to move on to a piece of music composed by Ben Daglish. And anyone who is a fan of Commodore 64 music probably uh, has heard the, the sad news recently. Um, ben has recently passed away. Um, I think it was just a couple weeks ago um, that that happened. Uh, and so it's definitely fitting that we're doing this episode and that we're able to play a piece of music that he composed. Um, definitely gave a lot of joy to a lot of Commodore 64 fans. So let's play a piece of music by Ben Daglish. This is the main theme of Deflector. Here we go. listening to the main theme from deflector this is composed by ben daglish so r.i.p ben this is a really cool piece of music I, I really like the chord progression there's one chord in particular that's really surprising i think it might be a borrowed chord but again this is this reminds me of rock pop music yeah um it doesn't have much to do with the tradition uh that has been established at this point you know in japan it, it feels like pop music, and it's very confident. And what I think is interesting about this piece of music is it could have been a lot bigger. There could have been more of like a drum beat, but I actually like how restrained it is. It's, it's actually yeah. quite melodic. Right, and I like that that rhythmic stuff is communicated through the pitch material, which is really awesome uh, and something that you don't always get the luxury of doing in video game music. Um, yeah. This is really executed well. Something that I just couldn't help but thinking about while we were playing this track is that video games are, are still such a young medium, and in so many types of music, uh, there are, honestly and frankly, there are so many beloved dead composers. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when you're studying classical music, it's almost entirely dead composers. Um, and even in the realm of popular music, I mean, thinking about Prince and Michael Jackson and, you know, John Lennon, I mean, there's just yeah. like 
there's, it seems like almost all of the greats are no longer with us. And it made me realize how fortunate we are that really the majority of the great video game composers that we grew up with and love are not only still alive, but most of them still working in video games. And yeah, I think it's, it's something it's, that we should be really grateful for because certainly yeah. within our lifetime in the next few decades, that will not be the case. And Which I is think, very sad to think about. I yeah. mean, there's some of them, there's, there's, there's a few. The, another one that comes to mind is uh, Ryo Umimoto, who's another very talented chiptune, uh, Japanese chiptune composer. I believe he passed away like maybe about six or seven years ago. Um, so yeah, very sad to hear that news about Ben. Um, but the great thing about being a game composer is your music lives on, especially nowadays. People are eating this stuff up on YouTube. Uh, you know, they're they're listening to it at work. They're still playing the game. Sometimes these games are released on other platforms. Um I think there is there like a C64 mini how there's like a you know how there's like an NES classic is there like a C64 classic <laughs> I don't know I don't there know how that be. would work because I mean it was a computer system it wasn't a console yeah but I mean you could you could make it the size of your phone <laughs> I suppose Let's move on to another Rob Hubbard track. This is Monty on the Run which seems to be one of the most popular and beloved Commodore 64 soundtracks. Well, okay, let's play the main theme. You guys are listening to the main theme. It's classic and classical <laughs> from Monty on the Run, composed by another British composer, Rob Hubbard. Maybe the number one uh, most legendary, beloved Commodore 64 composer. From what I, you know, my research and also what, what Phil uh, saying, if he's not the number one, he's one or two for sure. Um, yeah, this is a really cool piece of music. It's a nice pastiche piece because it's clearly evoking a sense of classical writing, which is not all that common on the Commodore 64. So this was a delightful change of pace. Uh, it's setting your expectations for something different on the onset, but then eventually when that theme comes in, yeah, this is a perfect theme for a mole, Monty the Mole. <laughs> <laughs> is Monty a mole? Indeed, Monty is a mole. Glad you asked. Ah, I didn't know that. He's a mole that's on the run, so I'm not sure if he's a bad mole 
or if it's kind of a Harrison Ford fugitive situation where maybe he was framed. Yeah, no, uh, what I love, uh, there's, there's so many unique things with the implementation, uh, but there's a specific instrument where it's using that kind of octave arpeggiation, but it also oh, has yeah. sort of a volume fade on it. So it just gives it this really gnarly, but it, it's not like sustained, like, you know, it kind of quickly fades. So it just gives it a really complex timbre. And, and the reason why that is, is because the way that we hear uh, timbre, the way that you can tell one instrument sound from another, it has to do with the natural harmonic series or the overtone series which we've talked about before but it essentially means anytime you hear a pitch or a tone in nature you're actually hearing other frequencies other notes being played at the same time right and they're part of this specific series so you have the fundamental which is the main note that you think you're hearing then you hear that same pitch in octave above then you hear a fifth up from that and then a fourth up from that with it which is another octave and then a major third and then a minor third and then sort of an extra flat minor third and it just keeps going on and on forever and forever where eventually we get to not only all the notes of the chromatic scale but all these other pitches in between um, and the way that you can tell one instrument or one timbre apart from another is which one of those overtones is more pronounced. Right. So when you have a synthesizer doing that quick switching between two notes of an octave, your brain almost just hears it as one sound and it just gives it a very different timbre because that octave is the first harmonic in the overtone series. It basically gives you a whole other instrument. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. And it's an effect that these Western, specifically these Western, chip composers just used to death and it just always sounds so futuristic and exciting well there you go that was the main theme from monty on the run i could not be more excited to move on to this week's track of the week and anyone who's a fan of our podcast shouldn't be surprised that we went with a tim fallen choice for track of the week i i just couldn't not do it i mean if i had to pick uh, my favorite composer uh, on this list today tim fallen takes the cake for sure hands down this is gauntlet three we're gonna play the title theme we've now we've played this before on the podcast multiple times it's such a classic and now this is that classic tim fallen sound and he is so at home on the commodore 64 let's take a listen to the title theme from gauntlet three Thank you. 
Oh my god, you guys are listening to the title theme from Gauntlet 3 by the one, the only, Tim Fallon. So unmistakable. Everyone would be able to tell this is by Tim Fallon. God, he's such a genius. I just... I, he I, is. I love his music so much, and speaking with him, it, it was such an amazing experience, but it was the kind of thing where it's like, it still didn't illuminate what I wanted it to because it's like he was so <laughs> humble but it's like yeah. his process finding out about it was like really you know he wouldn't compose at the piano and he didn't even realize what notes he was putting in it was like memorizing the numeric values yeah but some of these lines are so intricate and a really unique voicings but they're so intricately composed in these diminished chords that it resolve doesn't make any sense in like it- a classical way and the leading tones are resolved it doesn't sound just kind of like uh just input any note it doesn't matter right like thinking about the way that he was working on this music how young and relatively inexperienced he was it just almost makes you mad (laughs) it's just so i just really think he's a genius it's like a prodigy level like he almost doesn't realize what he's doing it's just like a, a conduit for his deep deep well of inner musical richness i mean it's just yeah it's unlike anything else that was happening at the time it's unlike any other video game composer and then on a technical level forget the music every single platform he worked on it completely transcends the technology <laughs> makes it sound better than anything else on the hardware yep i mean good lord it's it's just so staggering i i just i'm breathless i mentioned earlier about jaron tell uh if i had to pick my favorite c64 composers it's going to be tim followed by jaron tell and and tim has that same quality that i love about jaron which is that it's a 50 50 split there's plenty of technical prowess in wizardry and um badassery where you're you're impressing someone with what you can do with this computer but none of that would matter if the music wasn't good right. and the music is so good in all of tim's uh pieces so there you go folks that was this week's track of the week from gauntlet 3 let's move on to another martin galway track now this is interesting this is the ocean games loader 2 theme so this isn't from one game this is from I think any game published by Ocean that came out on the C64 uh, would have potentially had this theme or maybe another theme. I think there was like maybe four different Ocean loader themes. And so potentially this is something that if you're a fan of Ocean games on the system, you would probably hear this a lot because uh, <laughs> the load times were, were probably pretty long. This is Ocean Loader 2.
You guys listening to Ocean Games Loader 2, which is composed by Martin Galway. And yeah, so this is potentially something that um, Commodore 64 players would hear all the time. Um, and I think it's a perfect loader theme because, again, it's very impressive and there's a lot of interesting ambience and vibe. And it feels like it's expanding. It's going to a lot of places. And so it doesn't bore you by any means um, listening to it. And so it would be, it's a great loading theme because it, you know, it stimulates your brain while you're having to wait for the game to load. Yeah, totally. This feels like quintessential Commodore music. For whatever reason, whenever mm-hmm. I hear this type of arpeggiated style, yeah. I think about music from the Commodore 64, and then I think about the NES game Mick Kids. <laughs> well, that's funny, because that was from someone from this scene. Um, yeah, exactly. Charles Deenan, who's not someone who probably thought very much about the tradition of NES music. He was making... The, the McKid soundtrack in the style, honestly, of a Commodore 64 game. Which is what's cool. It sort of sets it apart from um, other games like it. And it, yeah. he really, he really is modeling after I mean, he, the instruments, that melody instrument, that kind of like chirpy, chimey, duty cycle switch instrument that you Well, hear. you know what's interesting? It's not to say that the Japanese composers never used that, but they definitely didn't use it to the same extent where an entire yeah. melody would constantly be on it as if it's they're making this new instrument and it was such the focus of the music that they never did it like that um and so it was definitely used um in very different ways cool let's move on to a piece of music we gotta do something from chris hulsbeck right yeah absolutely have to german composer who his claim to fame was that he composed the great gianna sisters for the commodore 64 definitely one of the most beloved games and soundtracks we're going to play the loading screen which again is so nostalgic just emotionally based on the way that the music was composed but even the sounds too it's just this package you know if you grew up playing this game this is this is going to be a tearjerker uh, for sure and it even is for me just thinking about that interview with chris we did a long time ago and playing this music then this is really great this is the loading screen from the great gianna sisters Some piece of music. This is the loading screen from the Great Gianna Sisters. Beautiful stuff by Chris Hulsbeck. 
Um, so this is kind of like a Mario Brothers ripoff game. Uh, it's, a, it's a platformer, um, which is which is really funny that it's called the Great Gianna Sisters. <laughs> right. In some sort of you know parallel universe, this would have been the popular platformer. Um, yeah, I absolutely love Chris Hulsbeck's music. It's so much more melodic and kind of in the style of maybe like a film score. This isn't the best example of that, but when you just listen to all of his stuff, like mostly I'm thinking of like the Turrican stuff or his Star Wars music, mm-hmm. uh, definitely coming from more of this filmic thematic approach. And I, ver- I very much appreciate that. And you can hear that even on the Commodore 64. Right. I love this track and it sort of reminds me of some of the other tracks that we've been hearing on the day of having that, like the Commando song is a great example. And mm-hmm. the RoboCop was a great example uh, of having this like '80s ballad, end of the movie kind of sound <laughs> to it, right. uh, which is I don't know. It's something I so associate with this period. And the Commodore is such a nostalgic piece of machinery, and it's still utilized to kind of evoke that era. Another thing yeah. I love about this track is that snare sound. Isn't it great? And it's so sample, fat and big. There, it's like a little detail, but the sample, you know, when you're, when you're sampling um, a sound like that in any situation, whether it's for a chip video game thing or just on a modern digital sampler, mm-hmm. when you're actually making the recording, you want to make sure there's as little space as po- possible since the beginning of the audio file in when the drum actually attacks. And what's interesting about this one is it's like a little bit late, yeah. you know, instead of going da 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 da, it's pua 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 pua, you know, yep. and that kind of sound, but the consistency of that sound actually does something kind of cool to the groove because it makes it sound like you know the virtual drummer is constantly a little bit behind the beat That's and funny. it just has this really kind of fat sound to it that i really love and it's sort of a it's charming a delightful thing. piece of music it's very charming it makes you smile that's awesome i wanted to play more music from great gianna sisters but just didn't quite make the cut today it was tough there's clearly a lot of amazing commodore 64 music guys that we that we couldn't play today um i was basically trying to do this greatest hits playlist of anyone who loves Commodore 64 music, I think they will agree that we're playing some of the heavy, heaviest hitting stuff. And again, we, we took a lot of the leads uh, from Phil. So thanks again, Phil. There's one thing I wanted to read from uh, his email he sent to us. A couple things he was uh, mentioning about the Commodore 64. He said that it was a system with an unusually good sound chip for the era, and it was also rather unique in that for the first time, games could be marketed by who composed the music, which is very cool to think about that. Yeah. Uh, he said that the C64 is a true legend of its generation with hardware sprites, hardware scrolling, and an incredible catalog of games. Commodore's designers built it to play the arcade games they loved, something which angered Commodore management who wanted a business computer, and they really knocked it out of the park. Really interesting. That makes a lot of sense when you think about the games that came out for the Commodore. So very cool info there. Let's move on to another Rob Hubbard track. This is something I never had heard of before, uh, The Last V8. That would be a sad day when there's no more V8 juice left anywhere How could I make my Zatarain's Jambalaya (laughs) mix? This is the last V8, the title theme. Here we go.
You guys are listening to the title theme from The Last V8, composed by Rob Hubbard. Yeah, now we're getting to the point in this playlist where this music just feels so quintessential. And we made a, we made a point to, to pick music that was quintessential for the system. But um, yeah, I will say, listening to a lot of C64 music in a row, it can be a little bit taxing on the old eardrums. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I get it. I mean, again, I think it's about those, those timbres. It just has a very distorted quality to it. Yeah. And I can't really put my finger on what it is. I, I really think it's because... These instrument sounds are so sophisticated for the time that they're not just simple square waves. Uh, they're a little bit more nuanced, and because mm-hmm. of that, they have—they almost sound like really compressed samples. I know they're yeah. not, but it has that kind of. I imagine a lot of digital noise and some of the high frequencies that's contributing to that. Yeah, I would like to talk a little bit about how this music on today's episode or any of the Commodore music that we've heard, how does it compare to what was maybe happening over in Japan on something like the NES? Uh, Not just composition-wise, but sound-wise and implementation-wise. What what are some of the big differences when you think about this music versus NES music? Well, to me... um... NES music is, on the whole, less flashy, less concerned with um, kind of technical wizardry because there, yep. frankly, is less that you can do on the NES. But that adds to its charm. I love the simplicity and the clarity of writing that it forces. More melodic. Uh, yeah, I think so. And uh, to me, a lot of Commodore music, not the stuff we're playing today, which I think is great, and I mm-hmm. really get the appeal of it, but to me, it sort of falls into this interesting category where at the time it was so impressive and novel and advanced, but now it just sounds kind of like crummy synthesizers, just like the NES does, just like a lot of old video game music to someone who didn't grow up with it. It just sort of sounds like a crummy synthesizer. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather have a crummy synthesizer playing a really stellar melody in a tight arrangement than something that's just more about atmosphere and showing off timbre. Because even though it's really technically impressive, you know, if I'm not doing the kind of uh, giving it points for the era and knowing a lot about how it's done, I do think mm-hmm. um, this would be less appealing to maybe the average person that didn't grow up with video game music. I think that's than true. Than something like, you know, Mario Brothers 3, you know, or The Legend of Zelda, you know, even it's though it's more not that technically sure. impressive, but those melodies are so strong. I think most people could hear past some of that stuff in the way they might not be able to do with something that is more vibey. Well, one of my favorite pieces of music of the day is what we're going to move on to. This is the main theme from Supremacy, which I've, I've known for years. I've been a big fan of this piece of music for a long time. I think it's really awesome. This is once again by Jerome Tell.
this is how you compose chip music, folks. Uh. You guys are listening to the main theme from Supremacy. Amazing stuff by Jerome Tell. I think that's how you pronounce it. I keep changing how I'm saying it today. Uh, this is such a great balance because it's very technically impressive, and it's a long form, a lot of cool sections, very evolving, um, and it's showcasing the C64 in a very impressive light, but it's it does remind me of a lot of great Japanese video game music, and it could go toe-to-toe with a lot of that stuff. It's groovy, especially in this later section of the piece when the drum beat comes in. Very groovy, um, but very catchy, goes through a lot of different styles. It's just such an impressive piece of music. Yeah, it's really good. I love the groove. I'm almost regretting my choice of track of the week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. This is a total contender. I, I like the form of it. I like that it starts just with that unison melody showing off the ability to create almost this digital reverb effect with the delay. I mean, it's a really yeah. beautiful sound. Um, and then how long it takes for the groove to get in. It's, it's I think we stellar. should make this the second track of the week. It, it deserves it. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. And Phenomenal. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, just the change of mood and texture. It's its its really well done. It it's goes a completely different vibe later. than that Ugh. gauntlet thing. But this yeah. is kind of also a quintessential all the sounds that you want and expect from the C64. Yeah, and what's interesting is I had heard this a long time ago. I had heard the, the Gauntlet 3 title a long time ago. I had heard some of the best C64 music, um, but I haven't hadn't like fully dove into everything. Mm-hmm. And I was a little disappointed because I was expecting there to be more music of that caliber, and there simply is not. Uh, I will say that. like These pieces of music... Uh, are kind of diamonds in the rough. Uh, they're absolutely outstanding, and to me, they go above and beyond the norm of, of C64 music. So yeah, definitely. definitely the second track of the week. Uh, very fitting that <laughs> this is from Supremacy, because this piece of music is supreme over almost all else today. Uh, let's move on to another loader theme, and this is from, I think this is a game, yeah. Uh, this is the loader theme from the game Tusker by Matt Gray, going back to Gray today. Here we go.
I really like this theme. Uh, I like the progression. I like the arpeggios. It reminds me of his work on The Last Ninja, too. Again, he's, he loves these rock, uh, pop, 80s, 90s, like alternative progressions. Uh, it's, it's cool. It's very catchy. It's good background music. This is Matt Gray, the loader from Tusker. Yeah, this is an interesting vibe. Some of those lines, those arpeggios, mm-hmm. they give me a little bit of like a David Wise sound. And something that I love about Dave Wise I could hear that. is, um, and I, I hate to always make this dichotomy between you know like East and West, uh-huh. but he is a Western composer and kind of derived from some of the same influences as a lot of these composers. Yeah, and similar progression, same types of ideas, and a lot dealing with atmosphere. Yet he worked for a lot of Japanese consoles, you know, yeah. like the NES and like the Super Nintendo. With games that needed that kind of music. Yeah, mm-hmm. and eventually doing Donkey Kong Country and getting to work on Nintendo IPs and everything. So there's that that mixture. Yeah. Well, also, it just, it just seemed like there was more of a clear sense of tradition and structure. Like, this is how NES music needs to be. Right. Whereas on the Commodore 64, it was kind of open-ended and you could kind of do whatever you wanted. Yeah. Dave is definitely not a computer music composer. He's definitely a console music composer and writes music in that sense of necessity with like shorter loops and everything. Dave Wise is such a good composer that we can all of a sudden start talking about him on an episode that has nothing to do with him like today's episode. <laughs> well, just when I was hearing that do, 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 it makes me think of not quite as good but it's <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hard to be I'd love to hear, I'm sure there's lots of this but a C64 cover of Sticker Brush Symphony. I guarantee there's at least 12 on YouTube. His music would translate really well to Commodore. Uh, We're going to move on to a Tim Fallon game that I had never heard of before uh, diving into this topic. And so this is cool. This is from Agent X2. Let's take a listen to level one. You guys listening to level one from agent x2 composed by tim fallen and i was kind of freaking out because that groove in seven eight really reminds me of what he did in plock it's kind of the same basic groove it's amazing <laughs> yeah it's kind of this the beach theme from plock 
Well, a lot of people talk about like the five four clave, that da 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 da. You know that like so many pieces in five use that. What's interesting about seven is there isn't usually like that similar seven eight clave rhythm. Oftentimes it's like one two three one two three one two one two three one two three one two. You know that kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's really really groovy. Yeah, this is a nice discovery. I'd never heard this before, and it's classic Fallen. I think it's a little more of an obscure game. Um, but it's cool to hear that didn't really matter <laughs> whatever game Tim was working on. He was kind of bringing it consistently. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. And I mean, hearing mixed meter stuff like that on the Commodore is such a treasure, you know, hearing, I mean, how often when we're listening to retro video game music, do we hear, you know, seven, eight? Well, I think doing a mixed meter, like this kind of complex meter on the Commodore, it makes so much sense for two reasons. One, um, it's experimental and it's challenging you. And that's kind of the goal of a lot of this music. Um, also, it's, it's something that's way easier to land on when you're working in numbers and pairs and grids and things like that. For sure. Uh, because, you know, it's like it doesn't need to be as intuitive. And that's a big factor with a lot of this music is it, it's, it's music that's made on a computer and it sounds that way. And I think the best music on the system is, is the music that's embracing that. Yeah, totally. Let's move on to another piece of music by Martin Galway. I think this is a classic. This is the title theme from Parallax. Now, I want to uh, mention that this is a very long piece of music that really takes its time. It's about, I want to say this one was maybe eight or nine minutes, if I'm remembering correctly. It's a super long piece of music. We're just going to play a little bit of it. This is a snippet from the title theme to Parallax. Here we go. guys listening to just a taste of the title theme to parallax composed by martin galway now martin galway is definitely one of the all-stars uh from the commodore 64 seems like rob hubbard and martin galway maybe were the top uh tim fallen as well uh and then you know some of these other composers that we have on this list um, yeah, this this is super cool. It, it is it is a cool experience listening to this whole thing because when you get to the the more melodic groove parts, it, it feels like wow, we've we've arrived. Well, the Commodore is so strange to me because it's of the era of a lot of the classic music that I know and love. A lot of the console music that 
has this simplicity to it, this charming old-fashioned sound, but chronologically it's very confusing because this music sounds so advanced and it's so vibey and you have these long, non-repeating sections that go on for eight minutes. And it's like, in my brain it seems like, oh, video game music started off quirky and cute and eventually developed into having stuff like that. But it's just, it's almost more geography rather than time frame, you know? Yeah, I mean, it could, it, it's possible it was even, it might even be like something like 11 minutes. I can't remember exactly, but, and that's also another thing. We're not playing any demo scene music today. I mean, there's tons of amazing demo scene music on the Commodore 64, but that is its own topic. And we actually did have a demo scene episode. And that reminds me that we should probably go back to that topic and do a follow-up episode on that. Now, that's some of my favorite music for the system, but not released for actual games, commercial games. So there's a difference there. All right, let's move on to the last Rob Hubbard track of the day. This is from a game called One Man and His Droid. I don't think there's a connection to Star Wars. The main theme, let's check it out. interesting chord stuff here you guys are listening to the main theme from one man and his droid by rob hubbard rob hubbard's his music on the commodore 64 is very exciting maybe more exciting than anyone else he does a really great job of setting up uh what the game experience could be and what the adventure could be and really i imagine gets you excited to go on this this quest because his music has just so much energy and imagination yeah totally i love the high energy you know this this playlist has a lack of kind of rocking stuff i feel like that um, is true and this really fits the bill for I that even why. though it's like when it is rocking it's still really shredding and with mm-hmm. all these crazy arpeggios and again because it's so flashy all this commodore music is showing off all these timbres and instruments and all these interactive lines which is super super cool um but yeah it's just I nice to have something straight ahead rocking that also is able to do all of those same demands that someone expects from the commodore now I wonder if this is opening up a, a, a Pandora's box. Are we now going to be expected to to do an Amiga episode and a ZX Spectrum episode, or do you think that we've paid Carl, our dues You don't need enough? to say ZX Spectrum. <laughs> this is we're we're in the U.S. of A. <laughs> I thought it was more respectful 
Because wasn't wasn't that a uh, British queen. company? It's like saying it's like saying Melbourne instead of Melbourne. Right. You got to be respectful. That that Melbourne thing I I do find hilarious because basically you're asking someone to put on your accent. Yeah. It's like <laughs> saying, oh, did you go to Sydney? Did you go <laughs> it's to like, Perth? Isn't that, more, isn't that offensive to, yeah. to say that? Oh yeah, I went to Barcelona. You know, <laughs> it's just like don't do that. The same thing about uh, Minneapolis. You're supposed to say Minneapolis. Is that your impression of someone from Minneapolis? <laughs> I, I'm stupid. I'm from Minneapolis. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's how all of us sound. All right. No, we're going to play the last track. That's the track. Wisconsin accent, right? Ooh. Shots, shots fired. fired. Let's move on to the last track of the day. Other than the play out, this is uh, Tim Fallon, a uh, piece of music from bionic commando he did the you know he did a lot of soundtracks for famous japanese games that were also released on the commodore 64 many times having different music that's the case with this let's check out stage three You guys are listening to Stage 3 from Bionic Commando. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode, exploring what we think is maybe the greatest hits of the Commodore 64. Most of these choices are very easy, obvious, popular choices. Some of these were kind of cool discoveries that you might not be expecting, but if you're a fan of this music, if you grew up with these games, or if you just like good good VGM, hopefully you enjoyed this app. What are your thoughts on this music, Will? This was so much fun and very long overdue. You know, the Commodore 64 is really one of the pillars. It's one of the grandfathers or grandmothers, Mm -hmm. so to speak, of game music. It's one of those classic, iconic systems that anyone who's interested in VGM uh, inevitably will brush up against uh, yes. the kind of fandom of the C64. So this Absolutely. is so great. Inescapable. And, yeah. So glad we were able to do this episode topic, and hopefully it satisfies some of your concerns and longs for the show. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that will still be disappointed that, how did you not play this track or that track? And right. to those people, we say... We're sorry. sorry. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this episode satisfies Phil B. That's kind of that was my main goal. Right. So thank you so much, Phil, for your help uh, putting this playlist together totally. and all that wonderful info about the Commodore sixty four. Uh, okay, we're gonna play you guys out with Cybernoid two, the title composed by Jerome Tell. I think that just about does it. We gotta go and get grab some dinner. It's, uh, we're both hungry here. We're getting to the point where we're almost hangry, so it's getting bad. All right, the title from <laughs> Carl, Cybernoid. I'm so hangry at you. I'm I'm <laughs> hangry. I'm what what's livid and hungry? <laughs> Hivid. Hungrivid. 
All right. With that, I think that just about does it for us. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Oh, by the way, I just want to thank anybody who came out to our show Game Over Minneapolis. Yes, this past that was week, a blast. We got to play with Do a Barrel Roll and Bards of the Goddesses. It was so much fun. We had a great turnout. You'll probably see some photos uh, and videos on our yeah, social media. It was it was great. Um, so thank you to anybody who came out to that. We really appreciated your support. And we had so much fun playing music. And to all of our listeners out there, start thinking about MAGFest. Everybody should really consider yeah. it. It's it's super, super fun. It happens every January. So if you've never been, I'm sure you've heard us talk about it and have many podcast episodes where we, we broadcast from and, it. And yeah. uh, there's going to be a certain composer by the name of Takashi Tateshi at oh, MAGFest this year. So you know your brothers are going to be going. You know what to do. We're going to play you guys out with Cybernoid. I'm Carl. I'm Will. Have a great week. Peace out. <laughs>